Can old stocks ever beat new stocks again? Over the past 10 years, the NASDAQ, aka nearly all things tech, has trounced the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Dow Jones, of course, is a grouping of stocks that has some tech, but also nearly all other old line industries like banks and oil companies. When you hear investors talk about growth, they're really talking about stocks that dominate the NASDAQ. When you hear talk of value stocks, you think of the Dow. Over the past 10 years, the NASDAQ is up over 350%. The Dow up 150%. That's a 200% difference. So you get the picture. I was in an investing and economic forum recently, and one of the questions of the audience really struck me. Is there any reason to ever invest outside of tech again? I thought, well, that's a logical question. How could old ever beat new again? And today, we're going to shine a light on that topic. Can old line industries or stocks ever win again? Can anything outside of tech companies ever win over the long term? And are they worth considering to help you get to a state of retire sooner? I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. So we're gonna to try to answer that question today. Are value stocks really all that valuable? And again, a quick reminder, if you think of growth, growth, growth companies, these are companies that don't ever really pay dividends or reinvesting all their capital to continue to grow as fast as humanly possible. They're not necessarily that mature of companies. They might be 10 or 20 years old as opposed to 50 to 100 years old. They're typically in more emerging areas. Think technology or brand new technology or things like biotechnology. That's typically considered a growth-oriented company and a growth-oriented investment strategy. On the other end of the investing continuum is something called value. Value-oriented companies are typically more mature companies that aren't growing as fast, but they have wonderful cash flow or generous cash flow that can also be paid out in dividends to shareholders. So a value investor might say, hey, I'd, I'm okay with this company growing at 8% a year, but I'm getting a big dividend as well versus someone that looks at a growth stock and says, I want to buy or own a company growing at 25% a year, even though it doesn't pay me a dividend. Over time, they've done relatively equal over the last, let's call it 100 years. But in the last five years and really even 10 years, growth, 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 because of the rapid emergence and dominance of technology has really stolen the show. And we're sitting here and we're figuring out if we're going to retire sooner, what's my investment path? And I've talked many times on the Retire Sooner podcast about my preferred methodology of investing, income investing, more value-oriented investing, looking for dividends. And I've often said it's not the only way to do it. It's not right or wrong. It's just the way that I've invested for most of my career. And I think it fits well for the retiree. 
for those younger looking to get to retirement, I still think it works because the reinvestment of dividends and reinvestment of dividends also has a historically strong track record. But the numbers don't lie, and the numbers are astounding. 2020, NASDAQ up over 40. The Dow was up only 7. SP 500, by the way, which has more technology in it than the Dow does, was up 16. The past five years, the NASDAQ was up 180%, approximately, and the Dow up about 90%. And if you go back over the past 10 years, the NASDAQ up over, let's call it 350%, give or take, the Dow up about 150 it's a 200% difference. Tech, 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 and growth, growth, growth. It seems like the only game in town. Forget, forget banks and healthcare companies. Forget utilities. Who would ever invest in a stodgy utility company? Oh, and definitely forget oil. Yuck. By the way, the 2021 Buffett-Munger sit-down at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, um, one of my favorite things that, that Buffett commented on was his owning of the big oil company Chevron, where he said, hey, I've got no issue owning Chevron, and, and I have no issue owning fossil fuel companies, which was, he's just really just responding to a question about, hey, how can, you, how can you own fossil fuel companies? They're bad for the environment, they're bad for the world, they're bad for society. And Buffett's response there, and I think this is a great lesson for every investor, he said, look, people who are on the extreme of both sides are a little nuts. And I'd hate to have all hydrocarbons banned in three years. Just wouldn't work. He also talked about how that he and Munger, his partner for the last 62 some years. And by the way, they've never had an argument in 62 years. Isn't that amazing? Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. But they, at one point, they, they did stop investing or they swore off tobacco stocks. But they also note that... Just because they wore, swore off tobacco stocks doesn't mean that they swore off any of the retailers that they might own who also sell tobacco or cigarettes. And here's the quote that I think it sticks with me with Buffett. There's something about every business that if you knew it, you wouldn't like it. And so if you expect perfection, and this is his quote, in your spouse or in your friends or in communities, you're just not going to find it. And I think that's a really important lesson for Buffett and I know we're in the environmental social governance movement and ESG is an, is an exciting and popular way to invest. But in the end, companies in the marketplace are here to grow their earnings, grow their revenue, and they're not always selling sunshine. Speaking of Buffett, he's faced the same issue, growth versus value, because if you look at what Buffett owns in Berkshire Hathaway. It's full of a bunch of older line, old world companies. Now, yes, he certainly has holdings in technology, but he still has big positions. In fact, one of his top four positions is in a bank, good old fashioned Bank of America. One of his other big positions, American Express. Another big position, Coca-Cola. That's an old line economy stock. According to a recent article in CNBC, according to an article in March, right after the 2021 shareholder meeting at Berkshire Hathaway, 69% of all of Buffett's, all of Berkshire Hathaway is really just in four companies, Apple, Bank of America, American Express, and Coca-Cola. So Apple's obviously technology, but interesting that, again, still a big weighting in what somebody in their 20s would say, hey, that's a pretty old line company. 
Well, Buffett faced this same issue, and there's actually a headline from December of 1999 that said, what's wrong, Warren? After more than 30 years of unrivaled investment success, Warren Buffett may be losing his magic touch. If you look at a chart, Berkshire Hathaway stock during that period of time was down 35%. Same period of time, S&P 500 up 25%. So no wonder, what's wrong with Warren? Well, Warren is more of a value investor, and that was a period of time when growth, 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 remember the tech boom? was really red hot. Well, the question is then what happened? Well, for the next decade, 2000 through 2009, the S&P 500 was actually down cumulatively 9%. Buffett in his boring old economy, stodgy investments were up almost 77%. That's an 85% delta between the S&P 500 and Buffett. So now we're starting to understand this picture here. There are periods of time when growth wins big, and then there are periods of time when value or older line companies win really big too. And there's a reason for that, and we're gonna get to, it's technology is not just technology stocks. Technology is available for every industry to become more productive, grow their earnings faster. We're gonna go through some examples today of that. Let's keep on this thought process around the cyclicality, these cycles, growth versus value cycles. One of my favorite charts in investing, it, goes, it looks like we call it the periodic table because if you remember, the periodic table was a bunch of elements up on the wall in your chemistry class and every element had a different color. So all these different boxes, one's red, one's blue, one's yellow, one's green. Uh, with the, the yearly performance in any given year from let's call it 1997 all the way to this past year the chart shows us in color form different color for every style of investing every year's investment landscape so eight separate stock types growth versus value versus dividend yield versus low volatility versus momentum each with their own assigned color that end up dramatically changing leadership over time. So the red box may be at the top in 2013, and guess what, 2014, it's at the bottom of the chart for 2014. As an example, that was the momentum group in 2013, up 45%, and then the next year, it was the worst performing out of all eight separate stock types at the very bottom of the basement. But then you'll also see the bottom of the pack can shift and be the very top of the group the next year. Let's take a look at what value, the value category has done. Well, guess what? Value is number one in 2016. Then it was last in 2017. It was dead last in 2020. Now, first place as of the end of the third quarter of 2021. Second from last, value second from last in 2021. And first place in 2003 and 2004. I know you can't see this as you're listening, but being able to take a look at, let's say, one of these particular sectors and follow its color to the very top of the charts and making its way to the bottom of the chart and then back up and back down is a really great visual to show you that each, the different ways of investing in stocks can have really good years followed by bad. Then usually we see the trend change. 
part of this is is considered a reversion to the mean. So if you have a period of time where something does really well, typically tends to underperform after a little while. And if something does really poorly for a little while, typically tends to now outperform as a reversion to the mean. But I think perhaps the most important point, though, is to answer the question of, hey, would I ever invest in anything but technology for the rest of time? Not only does the answer come back and say that, yes, historically, you're going to have periods of time where technology momentum oriented stocks do really well, and then older line companies will come back and actually win for a while. Maybe more importantly is to understand that technology is not just technology stocks and that old can actually meet new, meaning that tech isn't just found in technology companies. Technology has the potential to power earnings and earnings growth in any sector, quite frankly, every sector that chooses to embrace it. So even though tech seems like the only game in town forever, remember that old line industries like banks and industrial companies and energy companies use technology to propel their earnings and markets are about the acceleration of earnings, not necessarily the amount of absolute earnings. Let's go over some examples of old meets new. And I'm gonna go and find some really old line industries and talk about how technology has somewhat revolutionized many companies and industries. Most of this within the last, let's call it 10 and 20 years. The first one, there's a company called Plenty, which is still a privately held company, but they grow the equivalent in two acres, by the way, the, the equivalent of 720 acres of actual farmland. Of course, we've all heard of vertical farming, but once you see what's happening at these tiny little farms with thousands of vertical racks growing lettuce and arugula, it's just hard to really fathom, but they use 95% less water. They use 99% land. And this one particular location I'm talking about in California, one location, two acres, that's it, two acres, versus what it would take, 720 acres, that one location grows all the lettuce for 430 Albertson stores in California. So this is a farming company. It's an agricultural company, but it's really data-driven. And they use machine learning and customized lighting to optimize growth and taste. And it's all run with these deep analytics. In fact, a huge part of their leadership are engineers that were originally from Tesla, who now work alongside farmers to make sure that they're optimizing growth. Their goal or their long-term mission is to make produce for 500 urban centers. So essentially every large, medium, and small city around the United States. Again, old world farming meets new world tech to take a slow, stodgy, slow industry to rocket speed. Next example, let's talk about oil and gas for a minute. I've always wondered about this and I've never really took a deep dive in how the oil and gas industry got so amazingly good at drilling because we went from this undersupply in the United States and having to ship oil from all over the world into the United States, most of it from the Middle East, to now having an oversupply of oil in the United States, our own oil on our own shores, being able to now export that oil around the world. And again, I'm going to I'm I'm going to take the Warren Buffett attitude about oil. I'm still fine with owning oil 
because it's still not. We still have only 2% of cars on the road are electric vehicles. 98% of cars are still good old-fashioned combustible engines. And even though it would be nice to see all electric cars whizzing around, it's not realistic for probably at least the next decade or more. Now, why have we gone from this great undersupply all of a sudden to now being able to supply the rest of the world? Well, it's because of technology. It's oil technology. We've all heard of hydraulic fracking and horizontal fracking and all these things. But just imagine you have this scenario where you want to go down 9,000 feet to find some sort of fossil fuel, way below groundwater, way below thousands and thousands of people below the groundwater, the water supply. You drill down with, a, with, with some sort of hydraulic fracking drill. The drill has sensors on it so that it can take a left or a right. The sensors actually can feel where there's the best path to drill and can go down 10,000 feet and then over another several thousand feet. Once they do that, they remove the drill, provide a casing that goes down, call it steel and cement. Then they have the equivalent of a oil gun that goes down into the tube, has a charge that creates cracks in the side of the rock. Then they have a mixture of water and sand and a few other different things that goes down and keeps those little cracks open and goes from what 10 years ago produced zero fossil fuel to 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times fossil fuel than we could have gotten before. And it's all because of a change in technology. U.S. field production for crude oil back in 2009 is 150,000 barrels a month. At the beginning of 2020, 400,000 barrels a month coming from the United States. Number three, pizza. Domino's thinks of themselves as an e-commerce company that sells pizza. Digital orders, now about two-thirds of all that Domino's delivers. And it only started that back in 2007. So it's only been a little over a decade that they've been doing that. Of course, they had a text ordering, Twitter ordering, ordering by car and smartwatch. This is a company that now has about 5,900 franchises in the United States, another almost 400 company-owned stores, and over 11,000 Domino's internationally. Global retail sales for 2020, $16 billion. Again, taking an old line industry and applying modern technology to accelerate earnings. Now, we all know this story to some extent because it's a company that is almost ubiquitously known, and that's, of course, Netflix. Americans used to get DVDs in the red envelope in the mail, and then they would have to send them back. If you go back to 2011, Netflix delivered about 12 million or had 12 million DVD customers uh, every quarter. Today, that number is down to under 2 million. Why? Well, because, of course, streaming. In 2011, they only had 21 million streaming users. Today, over 200 million. Total, total shift in business from using the mail to using technology to deliver movies and television shows right on your TV and through your Apple TV that we all know and use today. It's a media company and a technology company going from the mail to using the web. What about this? What about just old line banks? Well, not all banks have embraced technology. In fact, some banks are still using these very old legacy systems. I'm 
if you're with, uh, I'm sure some folks listening are thinking, oh, my bank is terrible, the app for my bank, or my bank doesn't even have an app. Now, that is true, particularly for some of the smaller banks that haven't invested in technology, but some of the bigger banks have absolutely embraced technology. So think of Bank of America and J.P. Morgan and what they've done and what they've added to when it comes to mobile banking and P2P payments or person-to-person payments, online banking, customer authentication through banking and identification, which also comes with new security. The big banks or the big banks that have embraced, have embraced technology, chatbot technology. And then really how banks make money is they take in deposits and they make loans. And uh, one of the members of the Retire Sooner podcast team just the other day did their entire loan process buying a car. They were buying a car. The whole loan process was virtual on the Bank of America app, never even had to talk to anybody. Can you imagine that only a couple of years ago? Now, some banks are still like that, but the larger banks that have embraced technology have been able to become so much more efficient in reaching out to people and make it easy. Hey, you want to borrow money for us? Hey, you can do it right here on your app. Imagine the advantage of the earnings of these companies relative to other companies that haven't embraced it. Also imagine any of these industries that have a fundamental necessary piece of society. We talked about food, we talked about energy and electricity, and we talked about finances and banks. These are old line industries that have the ability to absolutely embrace technology to enhance and further their business. So bottom line for my investing, and I think those looking for income and retirement, especially, there's, there's more to the market than just technology investing. Again, it might not seem like it, and it's a lot more fun to talk about a new iPhone and what Netflix is doing than it is to talk about the number of, the bar number of barrels of oil or the wattage produced at a utility plant. But let's remember the role of tech is to make everyone more profitable, not just tech companies themselves. We still need food and pizza and lettuce, and we still need banks and we need bulldozers and transportation and electricity. And none of that's going away. So I'm betting my retirement on more than just technology. Sure, if you want to own some of the NASDAQ, I think that's totally fine. But there's plenty of tech in the rest of the broad market, the S&P 500, and even the old school Dow. I hope this refresher on how we look at investing is helpful. Please send to a friend if you thought so. That's how I send my podcasts out. Listening to them on the iPhone, just hit the share button and you text it to a friend. That still works. Of course, you can find me and the Retire Sooner team at westmoss.com. We're a real live family in Atlanta, but can be reached anywhere from anywhere in the United States, offices in several cities around the country. But in the world of Zoom, we're always accessible. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure.
This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.